and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA Editor for the Washington Post. And up next in our week-long series preview on the start of training camp is Gina Mizell from The Athletic, formerly of the Denver Post. Um, this gave me a chance to knock out a couple of interesting teams that are a little under the radar in one fell swoop. Uh, Gina covered the Nuggets last year, did a great job, now covering the Suns back in her native Arizona uh, for The Athletic. Um, so, uh, you know, both those teams I think are really interesting. Denver, obviously, was basically a playing game away from making the playoffs last year, lost to the Wolves and didn't instead. Um, you know, they're they're trying to take the next step and make the playoffs this year. Phoenix, meanwhile, is the number one pick in uh, DeAndre Ayton. Recently had Devin Booker, their star guard, get injured. Uh, they have a lot of a lot of pieces that don't, you know, it's not, not quite sure how new coach Igor Kokoskov is going to put them together. A uh, lot, lot to sort out there. So, uh, we we dove into both those teams and and uh, kind of ran through what what to expect from each of them this season. So hopefully you enjoy it. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Gina. All right, Gina, thanks for doing this, and uh, congrats on both the new job and the chance to move back home. That's pretty cool. So uh, I, I know I know we're in the middle of getting ready for the season to start, so that also requires you getting ready to move. So I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to uh, to join me on the pod. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I am currently in Phoenix right now, kind of getting started with the new gig, and then going back to Denver for a few days and getting all my stuff actually moved out here. And then I will be heading up to Flagstaff, Arizona for a training camp. So no, kind of a crazy time, but it, it sort of fits too with all of us are sort of, I feel like getting back in the groove of, of getting ready for camp to start. So just a little bit, a little bit more to do uh, this year for me, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun uh, transition. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you know, the, the, the sun season, you know, we're going to talk about the nuggets too later on, but the, the sun team, I think is going to be really interesting. You know, it's part of this, uh, you know, looking at these teams that are, I think are kind of flying under the radar, but have a lot to pay attention to. I mean, Phoenix is to me near the top of the list. Not only do they have, you know, the number one pick in this year's draft to make the big trade for Mikhail Bridges, but you know, they also have Devin Booker who, you know, I think was clearly going to be put into a, you know, kind of a James Harden type role in Igor Kokoskov's offense with the Suns. And then all of a sudden here in mid September, he has this random surgery on his hand, which was bothering him back in March. So, um, have you have you heard anything in terms of like what led to this happening now? Because it, it seems odd timing to have this surgery now and miss the entire preseason and the start of the regular season when this is a hand that was giving him problems as far back as like February and March. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it definitely puts a puts a wrinkle as far as now. Yeah, Igor is going to have to install the new offense and just get everything rolling without the centerpiece of your team. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that impacts things, um, the challenges that he faces when he comes back from the surgery. But as far as the timing, I also thought it was kind of peculiar. Um, but from what I've been told, as far as from people who were actually, you know, in the gym when it happened, um, it just, it got re-aggravated during, during a workout um, last week. And he was kind of, you know, just saying that it was bothering him. And then they went and, you know, got it checked out. And then obviously he needed the surgery. So, um, you know, no panic from the, the people with the sons quite yet, but obviously, um, you know, if it does go the full six weeks, he'll miss the first couple games of the season. If it lingers on beyond that, or if it just takes some time for him to get back shooting and into basketball shape and ready to go. Um, you know, he could be be out for a few games at the beginning of the season beyond the first couple games. So we'll have to just see how this, you know, again, impacts the development of a young team with a new coach and a lot of intriguing pieces, like you mentioned. Well, yeah. And w- what do you think they're going to do? Um, 
What do you think they're going to do with, at the point guard spot now that he can't play? Um, I mean, do you, I mean, does do you, is your, I know you haven't really officially been around them much yet, but it, you know, from kind of the way summer league went, you know, my hunch is that they're probably going to start Shaq Harrison, given Igor coached the team and seemed like he played Shaq a lot, but they do have Elliot Kobo. They did trade for DeAnthony Melton. Do they have to get signed? I mean, do you have any sense of, of what they're going to try to do both with Booker sidelined and then when he does come back at that point guard spot? Yeah, I mean, I think Shaq Harrison's probably a good first guesstimation as far as where they will turn. But but certainly after the trade with Houston, it's like, okay, who the heck's going to play point guard right. for this team right now? And they've got, like you mentioned, a couple of a couple of young, intriguing pieces in in Elia Kobo and DeAnthony Melton, who has obviously you know just come over. But um, nobody that you can naturally just be like, okay, that's the point guard, that's the guy of the future. And I think a lot of Suns fans are still you know holding out hope that. Kemba Walker's maybe on the way or in a complete, you know, pie in the sky hope, like, you know, right. like a Dame Lillard or whatever. But um, at least in the immediate future, um, you know, that, that they're, they're going to, to training camp with the guys that they have in place. So, no, again, this with, with Devin Booker's injury, you know, the whole backcourt is in flux now as far as who's going to be primarily handling the ball and trying to get it to, you know, DeAndre Ayton and getting him starting to develop and Josh Jackson and some of the other young pieces that they have here. So, no, it's just going to be really interesting to see what they do in the short term and if that trade with Houston was kind of a first step to something bigger perhaps down the line or at least maybe that's their thought process so no it's going to be really interesting to see who primarily has the ball in their hands uh, to start the offense with both Booker out and you know no clear-cut answer at point guard at least right now yeah I mean that that to me is what makes them really interesting I mean you look at their roster I'm, I'm looking through it now I mean you've got Harrison Melton Akobo uh, Devon Reed is another guard You've got Booker, then you've got, you know, TJ Warren, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Jackson, Trevor Ariza. I mean, there's eight, nine guys that you could play at any of those one to three spots. And, and it, you know, you could even expand it out to one to four with guys like Jackson and Ariza and Warren and Bridges. I mean, it, it uh, I just, how Igor places, you know, kind of aligns his rotation and kind of the way they try to carve out minutes for guys is going to be interesting because if you, you know, especially it sounds like Ryan Anderson is going to start after that trade of power forward. It sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. he took less money. It sounds like, cause he's going to play a lot. Um, you know, you've got DeAndre Ayton starting at center with, with Chandler behind him. They're in theory going to play Dragon Bender some. I mean, there's just, they have a lot of guys that they try to have to shoehorn minutes into. And I, I'm not quite sure, you know, how they're going to be able to, to get them all minutes, um, you know, and keep everybody, you know, both on a developmental path and a, you know, and from an internal happiness standpoint, you know, satisfied with the way things are going. Yeah. And I mean, with the addition of Ariza and then the, the trade for Ryan Anderson, who, yeah, like you said, is most likely going to start at power forward. Um, you've got now a mix of, you know, you add those two types of pieces to try to, you know, win a little bit more now and take that step yep. forward, but you don't want to shortchange or you don't want to squash the development of some of those younger guys. So no, it is going to be a really interesting puzzle piece. And that's why uh, coaches are paid the big bucks, right? To figure <laughs> all of that out from a tactical standpoint, from like you said, an internal happiness standpoint. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think some of those offseason moves, like I said, were a clear um, message to say, hey, we need to win more than 21 games this year. But also this, this, you know, roster is stacked with lottery picks and they traded one away in, in that in that Houston trade with Marquise Chris but there's still a ton of guys here that are, are really young and and were high draft picks and and some of you know ascended 
more than others at this point, but I don't think they're, you know, wanting to give up on those young guys yet. So no, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how um, everything sort of just develops over training camp. And again, it's it's going to be sort of an incomplete picture over the next few weeks until, you know, Booker comes back and obviously is is the center of this entire offense and, and the franchise at this point. Right. And you, and you got a lot of chances to see both Phoenix and Utah last year in your job covering the Nuggets um, for the Denver Post. And I, I was just curious, you know, as somebody who is from Phoenix, has, has obviously paid attention to this franchise for a while, um, how how desperately did they need somebody, you know, to come in and provide some structure and stability that it seems like Igor, who, you know, is a guy who's been a really well-respected assistant for a long time, should be able to and kind of give them a foundation to build off of to, to really, you know, like you said, for a fran- to, to give a franchise that has – had a lot of young players come in there, a lot of high picks, um, but not a lot of, you know, real direction. Um, I mean, how, how much do you think just having him there, being able to install a system and, and kind of give them a foundation to build off of is going to help them this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's just been so much turbulence with this franchise over the past, you know, particularly the past couple of seasons. But really, this is a this is a proud franchise. And, you know, I really believe at its core that Phoenix is a Suns town just because it's the original pro sports franchise here. Um, And a lot of, you know, great history, you know, no championship, but just look at the Hall of Fame induction, you know, a week ago to see like the the players that have come out of this franchise and and just the, the lack of direction, like you said, over the past couple of years and, you know, the whole Earl Watson thing and then you have an interim coach, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. And then now Igor comes in, a guy that has had experience with this franchise and as an assistant, obviously um, tons of success with Utah um, the last few years, particularly last year. But um, yeah, I think it, it is kind of, you know, I, I've spent a little bit of time with him actually um, at Summer League. I talked to him for a little bit about somebody else with the Nuggets and a different story I was working on, but I was just impressed with his demeanor, with his calm, and just obviously he's got a wealth of experience both, you know, here in the NBA as an assistant and also internationally as well. So, um, you know, obviously I'm sure there will be some sort of learning curve with him stepping in as a first-time NBA head coach, but um, certainly you see based on his resume and the success and his history with, you know, offense and everything – why, um, you know, he was a good fit for, for this franchise to try to, yeah, stabilize things and obviously, you know, move them forward with, with the group that they have. Yeah, no question. I, I think he's going to do a really nice job. And, and like, you know, it is this is a franchise that really just needs to have a sense of direction and, all right, here's what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, which is something they haven't had. But as long as, along those lines, though, you know, we were talking about this before, as you get into camp, let's just say, let's just pretend Booker is healthy, you know, for what's fact and when he is going to play how do you how do you kind of envision as of now what this rotation looks like because um there are a lot of different ways it can go and and to your point you know i think people expecting them to try to focus only on development of these young guys are ignoring the fact that they did just trade for ryan anderson who they said is going to start and they are going to i would assume start trevor reeds who they're paying 15 million dollars this year and this is a team that clearly wants to start heading in a direction towards at least winning some games even though they're in the west and it's pretty brutal um you know, they, they, this doesn't seem like a team that's going to just sit Chandler and, and Anderson and play a bunch of 20-year-old guys. So um, with that being said, you know, how, how do you kind of envision this shaking out right now? Because it is probably the biggest question facing them is how many minutes do they give these different guys? 
Yeah, no, it's going to be very, very, uh, uh, it's, it's a tough task, I think, for Igor to go moving forward. And I mean, you, you mentioned like someone like Dragon Bender a couple a couple minutes ago, and it's like, where are the minutes for him? And and is this kind of like a, a make or break season for a guy like that, who, again, was a, a lottery pick a couple years ago and is still really young, but just hasn't produced at, at the same level as, as some other guys, either in his draft class or, you know, on this roster. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, where does he fit in? Where does someone like a Mikhail Bridges fit in? And where, yeah, how do you go with, you know, Trevor Ariza, but TJ Warren is still on, on the roster, obviously, and, and had a nice year last year. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be, I, I, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. And that's that's partially um, just, I think, because it's a whole brand new staff and, and a whole brand new, you know, philosophy. And partially just because I haven't seen them up close at training camp yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, you're not, you're not giving Trevor Ariza $15 million and you're not trading away a lottery pick to, to get Ryan Anderson and his massive salary to sit them both on the bench so I would anticipate to see them a lot and I think they'll be relied on just from you know leadership standpoint obviously Trevor Ariza with his defense um, just that experience level and 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 all of that and sort of bringing that over but um, yeah and you know even someone like a Tyson Chandler obviously is a, is a veteran locker room presence as well and I'm sure we'll we'll want to keep playing so um, no it's going to be very very interesting to see how that develops um, you know through camp and then through the preseason and then obviously once Booker comes back and and they're kind of at, at full strength and, and able to, you know, fully, fully sort of lean into what, whatever they want to do this this season and moving forward. Now, now you did mention before um, the, the prospect of a potential trade for a big name guy, and it, it mm-hmm. does it, it is at the point guard spot, and it does seem like you know everything they've done this summer, you know, did kind of point towards all right, we're going to let Trevor have or let uh, Devin Booker have the ball, like Donovan Mitchell really did a lot in Utah last year, like what James Harden has done in Houston, like we're just going to basically have him be our de facto point guard. But um, with, with the amount of guys they have with the picks they have in the future, with all the, all the assets they have at their disposal, it does feel like this is a team that is very well positioned to make a move to get another guy at some point. And do you, how seriously do you think that is something that they're, they're looking at? And I guess in other words, do you, you know, do you think that they would be content to let this year play out with Igor and kind of see what they have and go from there? Or do you think that they would be aggressive? And if there is a guy that hits the market, I mean, this is a team that has looked at Kyrie Irving in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that they would be aggressive in trying to get some guy like that to pair with Booker on a shorter timeline? Um, if, if the opportunity presented itself. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously it would have to be the, you know, right situation. And I don't think they're going to, they're going to give up, you know, give up, a, 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 you know, the, everything that they've acquired or all their picks that they've got, you know, to get somebody. But I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah Kemba Walker was very publicly on the training block uh, at the deadline last year. And, and you wonder if that's going to be the case again, again, with, with a, you know, a new staff coming in there and all that stuff. Um, but I, so yeah, I think it, it would be, it's certainly on the table or it certainly appears to be on the table as far as something that would be an option for them, like you said, but um, yeah, is that the missing piece? Are they going to be content with having Booker be the primary ball hander? Like you said, Um, yeah, that's just going to be something to watch for sure. But like you said, this is a team that um, in the past has looked at, you know, superstar point guards like Kyrie um, trying to get him last summer. Um, And it is a hole. It is a hole. If you want to just look at, again, again, I'm looking at their depth chart and it's like rookie, rookie, Isaiah Cannon and Shaq Harrison, obviously, 
really. So, um, no, I think if, if they think that's the, the kind of the last piece to get to then really springboard them forward, I think they might go for it. But what do you have to give up in that situation? Do you have to give up a Josh Jackson who obviously made really good strides last year and they still very much believe in? Do you have to, um, yeah, give up a bunch of picks that, that, you know, maybe you think are valuable depending on, you know, your, your scouting and who you think is going to be available the next couple of years in the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I also wouldn't be surprised if they sort of rode this roster for a little bit to see how it goes. And, and yeah, I think it's just got to be the right deal on both sides. But I also didn't necessarily anticipate the Ryan Anderson deal happening. So that was one of the weirder trades, I feel like, of the summer. So never put it past anybody to, uh, you know, come up with something that, you know, maybe comes a little bit out of nowhere. But I certainly think um, it's something that, that could happen or seems to be, you know, a viable option for them to explore this season. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. And I, I think when you when you look at um when when you kind of look at where where they're at, I mean, I really like that that trade with Houston because it got them, you know, a guy in Anderson who despite uh you know, people I think have too much of a short-term memory when they look at guys like him and they see mm-hmm. how he played against the Warriors and look, Ryan Anderson cannot play against the Warriors in a playoff series because they could just attack him relentlessly in the pick and roll. However, if you're a team like Phoenix that's trying to go from winning 20 games to winning 30 games, Ryan Anderson could be a very useful player. And I mean, you factor in adding him and Melton, who I think is the best asset that was in that trade. And I, I think they got two guys that are going to help them, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, just this year and, and maybe in Anderson's case or in the long term with Melton. So um, I, I thought that made a lot of sense. But as you look at their team, as a whole, who who do you think uh, among all these guys, who, who are you maybe most curious to see how they fit in with this new regime? And is there a guy or two that you look at and say they really have to um, to prove something this year, uh, you know, to kind of see where their, their career is headed? Yeah, that's a great question just because I feel like there's, you know, a lot of options just because there's so many young guys on this team. But, you know, obviously I'm curious to see how Aiton continues to, to develop as, as a pro and just what he can bring um, both offensively and defensively to this team. And again, how does he how does he go as far as his chemistry with, with Booker once he gets back healthy? So that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, you know, again, someone like Josh Jackson, just curious to see how he continues to um, develop and, and after particularly having a really nice second half to last season and just what type of asset he can be. Um, and then I sort of mentioned it before, you know, someone like a dragon bender, he's like the forgotten uh, lottery pick. And it's like, okay, can he actually, you know, <laughs> play in the league or again, is he somebody that you sort of give up on in, in the same way that they gave up on Mar- Marquise Chris or not gave up on is, is too strong of a word, but we're w- willing to move him um, after drafting him two years ago. So no, like I said, there's a, there's a ton of options um, as far as, you know, who kind of develops in, in Igor's system. And I agree with you that I think uh, D'Anthony Melton is, is kind of the, the hidden gem of this trade for Phoenix. And yeah, everyone wants to focus on Ryan Anderson and his massive contract. And certainly there's there's criticism there that's warranted based on how much he's making. And, and yeah, the fact that he couldn't play in a playoff series against Golden State. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, just because I think there are a lot of different different you know options you can go with as far as yeah who who really needs to prove himself or who are you curious to sort of see develop in in this kind of new era you know of this franchise I mean I I think 
And look, I mean, obviously Aiton is going to be interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Bender at this point, you know, despite the fact that he's 20, I, I'm, I kind of feel like he's almost a lost cause at this point. Yeah. Just because I've yeah, seen I so, I mean, anytime you see a guy, I mean, I know you weren't covering his sons yet, but anytime you see a guy struggle as much as he did as a third year guy in summer league, it really makes you question mm-hmm. um, what's going to happen there. I mean, look, and the, the thing about a guy like Bender is I think the league has really just gone away from guys like him. Like mm-hmm. his best case, you know, he, like if he works, out he's like a prime age Ryan Anderson right before all the, yeah. before like he suffered a bunch of injuries and kind of got his mobility sapped away and he, he just hasn't really shown that so yeah I think for him like this is a pretty critical year for him to kind of show something but the guy I personally am most curious to see what he looks like is Josh Jackson who mm-hmm. I mean you look at this you look at this Suns team they have 7,000 wing players uh, he was not that great last year as a rookie. He couldn't shoot the ball well. Um, you know, did not show a lot of, you know, creative chops. Um, but at the same time, he is young. He should have some defensive capabilities. He is a guy that, you know, th- this team should be able to play very fast and, and push the tempo. And he, he could be a guy that really benefits from that, especially if he gets to play a little bigger, maybe as a small ball four type deal. But, um, you know, you look at Mikael Bridges, you look at Warren, you look at Ariza, you know, if they get a point guard, they're going to have Booker on the wing then. Um, you're playing Ryan Anderson at the four. Like, there are a lot of guys competing for minutes at those those wing spots. And, you know, if Jackson comes in this year and struggles and, you know, Bridges plays well and Warren continues to do what he does and Ariza's there, I mean, all of a sudden you can see a guy that was picked in the top five last year not get a lot of minutes. Um, so, I mean, to me, I, I really think, you know, based on his draft status and – um, and kind of where their roster is headed, I, I think this is a pretty big year for him to kind of prove that he uh, that he is a, a, a guy who could be there long term. And if he doesn't quite do that, it would really I, I think of all the pieces on their roster. He is the one that if they do try to make a swing for Kemba or Jimmy Butler or just one of these guys that's, an, you know, going to be a free agent soon that hits the market. I, I think he is the one that they would most likely probably dangle in a trade to try to um, to try to do that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and it's the combination of that. Uh, yeah, maybe he's somebody that they're willing to part with. But also, I think he's still an enticing prospect just because of, of all the things that you mentioned and his right. draft status and everything. So no, I think he's kind of the, the chip that makes the most sense if they were to try to swing a, a big deal. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting just to see how he fits in with with every, you know, the new pieces and the new coaching staff and everything moving forward forward but yeah it's like you look up and down this roster and you're like okay lottery pick lottery pick you know Devin Booker not a lottery pick but uh, has exploded into what you know one of the best young players in the league Uh, first round pick uh, it's just it's it's fascinating to just look at everything that they've sort of stockpiled in in the last couple of years and and now it's like okay is this team actually gonna you know take a step forward and and win a little bit more and and you know show some promise and show some progress compared to the last couple seasons If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA.
Yeah, no question at all. I mean, that that really to me is where is where their their what their season look like will be determined. I mean, I you know, given given where the West is, I don't see them finishing better than 14th, but mm-hmm. um but if they can go from being a team that was a, you know, kind of a a lost adrift disaster the last couple of years to one that, you know, might win 30 games or, you know, 32 or 33 games but look like it they have some idea of what the hell they're doing. I mean, I I think that you can walk away from that season, I think, as a Suns fan and feel really encouraged about the direction. If it's another season where they win 23 games and they still look lost, I, I think that would be a different story. But I, I just have too much faith in in Igor and kind of the, the structure they're going to have in place there from a coaching staff perspective that it, it would, to me, be really surprising if they they don't at least, even if the record doesn't take steps, if they don't tangibly look like they're taking steps forward this year. Um, on the court with you know with him there and, and with the the style of play and kind of just the the overall structure for the franchise I think he's going to install in it yeah I mean just be a fun watch right like be a fun team to watch yes you know be be exciting um yeah have some intriguing young pieces that people like watching uh and and like you said kind of then internally establishing the structure and the culture I hate to use that word because it's such a cliche but I think it is true but it's true though I mean in this case in this case like the Phoenix Suns have not had a culture for several seasons Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've kind of whipsawed back and forth from one thing to the other, and they've just been adrift. And I think, you know, you're right. It is a cliche that everybody likes to say. It's like from your days covering football, every defense coordinator comes in and says they're going to play fast, aggressive defense, right? Like yep. it's kind of the yep. thing everybody says. But in this case, the Suns are desperately in need of somebody to come in and establish a, a, a here's how we're going to play. Here's how we're going to act. Here's how we're going to work. Like they need. They need that to be reinstalled in the franchise. And I, I think that, you know, Igor, I think, is a guy that's going to be capable of doing that, both based off his record and the places he's been. I mean, I think he's as well positioned as anybody they brought in there to do that. Yeah, and it's like, so you foster that internally with your group. And then, you know, externally, as far as the product on the floor, like I said, just just be entertaining. Make it make it fun for people to, you know, come out and buy a ticket and watch the game or flip it on TV. Like, right. Because, again, like I've... I've experienced what this city and what that arena can be like when it's at its peak. And like I said, I think there's so many, there are so many people here that are, are at the heart of it, our Suns fans. And so just make it a fun thing for people to watch again, because the last couple of years, it has not been that way at all. Um, but if it can start trending in that direction and, and, you know, I even talking with people after I you know took the job out here and, and you know, moved back and, and this and that, they've said, I haven't seen excitement around this team like this in quite a while. And it's just because, yeah, they've got the number one draft pick and it's a local guy from, you know, Arizona and Aiton and new coach and Devin Booker just signed his max deal. And it's like, the, it finally sort of feels like everything's kind of getting ready to start moving in a positive direction after, after, you know, several years of it not being that way. So we'll see if it, it pans out on the floor, but um, I think the pieces are there, like you said, to sort of at least take those first initial steps. You uh, got to walk before you can run. And I think, that's sort of where this Suns team is right now and and you know hoping for better days you know in in the future but at least you got to take those first steps and and they hope that that can happen this year I mean that that's really kind of the mantra for the whole season right like Mm -hmm. you know they they have to start walking at some point and they they haven't yet 
Um, and I, yeah, I mean, that's why, that's what makes them interesting to me because they're, they're not going to be good, but they are a team that you, you should be able to see, you know, the signs at least of them starting to move in the right direction. Um, and that, you know, that, that's, that's kind of, before we talk about Denver, just the last thing I wanted to ask you about them is it's kind of along those lines, how, you know, people forget because they've been bad for basically this decade, you know, the Suns were one of the best franchises in the sport for about five, 50 years or 40 years in terms of just constantly being a playoff team. They have one of the best winning percentages in the league, despite never winning a title. Um, you know, and then this decade has certainly not been able to keep that up, but how, how far away are they from making the playoffs in your mind? Is this a, is this a thing where if they get the right free agent, they could get there in a year? Is it, well, even if they get the right guy, it's probably a couple of years. Is it three or four years? Like what, what do you think is the most realistic path there just to get back to the eight seed, let alone beyond that to some kind of a championship contention? Cause obviously trying to even just get in the playoffs in the West, you know, this year you could have 13 teams challenging for 500 records in the West. I mean, it's not, it's not an easy task to say the least. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, in the West, well, you got to right. be pretty darn good to right. make the playoffs. So, As you know again, very well like, from Denver, for sure. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And maybe that's a good bridge is that, you know, yeah, Denver won 46 games last year and, and missed the playoffs by by a game. And so it's, I think it's still probably going to take a little bit. Now, of course, things can happen. And who knows what will happen with Golden State over the next couple of years if, if things kind of start to break up with, with that team, with, you know, free agency or, you know, if a trade happens or whatever. So it's really hard to predict what other teams are going to do. But, um, you know, now that LeBron is in the West for the next four years, and again, a team like Denver is ascending, um, you know, who knows what happens with, with teams like Portland and Minnesota and, and what, what their like long-term future holds beyond, you know, this season or the next couple seasons. But, you know, I still think obviously Phoenix is, is a couple of years away, unless they were to pull off some crazy deal and then who knows what can happen. But yeah, as I, as I saw really up close last year um you can have a a very good team with a lot of you know fun young talented pieces um and and still fall just short and and that's you know that denver team like they they just lost some games particularly in mid to late january they lost to the phoenix suns at home they lost to atlanta at home they lost on the road to memphis late in the year and so that's something that a, a young team that needs to develop after maybe the talent has has caught up to some other playoff teams but they still haven't developed that mentality to win those games that they need to win in addition to maybe pulling off you know some some big wins against better teams so yeah I think the Suns team obviously still has a ways to go as far as just the talent reaching you know the potential of being a playoff team and then they have to catch up mentality wise so I don't know again stranger things have happened but the West is uh, quite tough so I think your prediction for them this season is, is pretty right on and then we'll kind of see how it develops you know as as the years go by yeah no I think I think you're you're spot on with that now to shift to Denver for a few minutes before we bounce I just want to start with a question that I have thought about a lot the last couple of years uh can you build a championship contending team if your best player is Nikola Jokic I mean, I, I, I think so, just because uh, of his versatility. I mean, I know people are going to want to knock his defensive ability, which is certainly certainly valuable. I mean, people joke about, you know, he never jumps. He just, you know, he just, yeah, and it obviously is, is not the most fleet of foot and all of that. But, I mean, watching him for 82 games last year was a blast just because of his versatility, um, his passing ability, obviously, as a big man. He's probably the best passing center in the NBA right now. And just um, the, the way he 
um, just continue to grow and develop as a scorer, as a rebounder. And, you know, he hit kind of a stretch in January where he got in a slump and it was part, while Paul Millsap was out and him and Mason Plumley were trying to play, you know, starting in the starting lineup together and that didn't quite work out. And, and so, and that's going to happen with a young player in an 82 game season. But, um, you know, I think he's obviously one of the most unique talents in the NBA, um, you know, a super guy to cover, which, you know, doesn't necessarily play into if he's a championship contender, but I think he does have the right, um, you know, the right mindset of, of, you know, the, his, his kind of star ascension isn't getting to his head, um, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And so, no, I, I think, um, I think obviously they've committed to building around him with the, the rest of, you know, the team that they've got. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see if they can officially take that step this year, get back to the, or get back to the playoffs for the first time in six years, first time really for this group and then see what happens from there. But um, yeah, I, I think, the Denver Nuggets are counting on them being able to build a quality, uh, perhaps championship level contender with, with Jokic. And, and we'll see if, if they're able to do that with him and kind of the other young, uh, interesting pieces they've got around him. Well, that that's why they're so interesting to me because I, um, I don't think that about, okay. and it's not, I, you're right. As far as like, in terms of in pure enjoyment of watching guys play, like there are a few guys in the league that are more fun to watch than him. I mean, he throws the most unbelievable passes. I've always been a guy that's been a fan of bigs that could really pass the ball. I mean, I was a big Chris Weber fan when I was a kid, like, you know, you know, any of those bigs that you could kind of give the ball to on the, on the high post and let them operate the offense. Like Jokic does all this stuff that is just awesome to watch between the shooting abilities, maybe the, you know, he's one of the best passing bigs of all time already. And he's, you know, what, 22, 23 years old. Um, you know, fully deserving of the deal he got. My issue, though, I mean, you, you mentioned that you kind of passed over the defense, but, like, I do really wonder, with him in particular, the way the NBA is has kind of swung and the way the game is played now, um, I, I just don't know if you can win at the highest level with a guy that is as bad defensively as he is. And I know that if you go look, and I know, you know, like Ben Falk and some people have done some look at him from like a defensive metric standpoint, it's not as bad, but if you watch him play just on film, you know, when he gets into pick and roll, it's a disaster when they try to, you know, they're not a good help defense team. I think it's in part because he's just not ever really going to be a guy that's going to be able to really help you in that sense. Um, and you kind of look at this, this team in a vacuum and I, I, it just, I just am really curious to see how these pieces fit together because I think if you're going to have him as your focal point, you need to have very specific pieces around him that fit just the right way. And I'm, I'm not sure if the guys they have are those pieces. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure you can really find them at some level. Cause I do just think at some point, if you're like, you can be a really good team. I think with him as your best player, but if, if your defense, you know, like last year, I think there were 21st in defense. I mean, if they can't get much higher than that defensively, I just think that puts a real ceiling on how far they can legitimately go, uh, you know, with him as a core piece. Yeah, no, and I, I didn't mean to, uh, did not mean to kind of gloss over the defensive thing. Oh, no, 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 you weren't. Yeah. I didn't mean but you yeah. weren't. But, I mean, yeah, but that's, yeah, because it is. I think the, that is, I think that is, 
yeah, that's the difference gonna... between that's the difference between like yes and no. I think right. really and and, totally. and yeah, it, it's it's how much can he improve defensively still as a as a 23 year old guy like you mentioned. Um, you know, for for Denver last year, it's like obviously they were counting on you know someone like Paul Millsap to be a, a great defensive presence, and then he missed you know more than half the season and and was not really the same when he got got back from that wrist injury. And so I'm really interested to see how they look defensively as well. It's like because you've got Millsap, you've got a guy like Gary. Harris, who's a very strong perimeter defender, and in in my actually my last conversation with with Mike Malone before I uh, left Denver, um, I, he was sort of talking about what they studied as a coaching staff over the summer, and basically they are going to commit to not giving up three pointers. That is their their biggest, uh, I guess, tactical adjustment that they're going to try to make. Now, what exactly does that look like as far as schematically? Um, I think we'll see, but um, it, yeah, it's going to be really interesting because. Uh, you know, again, Michael Malone came into Denver as this, you know, having this reputation of being a defensive coach. And I know he just wants to, uh, it makes him want to uh, beat his head against the wall. when. I know you wanted to say, I know you wanted to say pull his hair out. From like the yeah. And I'm like, well, that's so. not really, yeah, that would be very hard. That would be very hard to do. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah. How much better can this team be defensively with Nikola Jokic at the center with um, the style of offense that they play, obviously very fast paced, you know, very, uh, you know, the ball's flying around. And like you said, it's very aesthetically pleasing to watch um, as, as a fan or as someone who covers the team every game. But yeah, is there a ceiling to that style of basketball? Or again, do you have to take these incremental steps? Again, this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2013. Um, you know, getting back there is, is a step and you're not trying to become a championship level contender team um, this year because no one's stopping the Warriors. So I don't know. I think there's still development that this team can can undergo this season and moving forward. Um, but no, you're right. I think the difference between is this a championship level team or just, you know, a, a good solid playoff team that's really fun to watch that will be a tough out for anybody who plays them um, is it, it's I think Nikola Jokic's defense and the defense that, that surrounds him. I think that's a very fair critique and a very fair um, you know, question to ask as this team kind of moves forward with the pieces that they have. Well, and it's like you said at the beginning of that, it's like basically that that is kind of where you come down on Jokic too, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you either look at it through the prism of he's so good offensively that it doesn't matter, which is fair, or you look at it through the prism of he's so good offensively that, and he can get good enough or, or not bad enough defensively that it doesn't matter. And as long as as long as one of those things happens, it works. And to your point about, you know, Mike wanting to cut down on threes, I just look quick. The last three years, the Suns were tied for third, third, and uh, first in terms of uh, worst three-point shooting percentage by our, uh, you know, the team shooting the best against them from three in the league. Um, last year, the single worst team in terms of defending the three um, on yep. a percentage basis. So, you know, you figure over one year, all right, maybe it's fluky. When you look at it over a three-year stretch, I don't think it's also much of a coincidence. Those are the three years that Jokic's been in the league. Um, you know, you look at it that way, it's like, all right, if, if, if especially with the league, the league is going, that's something they're really going to need to um, address. But at the same time, you know, as we, t- we talked a lot about Jokic, I also, you know, I, I've been putting together my top 100. They have several guys ranked very high on my list. I'm, I'm very excited about their core. In particular, I think Jamal Murray has a chance to have a really big year. Um, and, and as somebody who got a chance to see him up close, I know, you know, you wrote a lot last year about the kind of the injury stuff he was dealing with, both from the mm-hmm. year before and kind of what he got over last year. Um, you know, where do you where do you see him at this point? And, and, and do you, where do you think he's got a chance to go uh, this season? 
Yeah, no, I agree with you that I think he has a chance to take another really nice step forward. And I've heard some other, you know, national people say that maybe he's a most improved player contender. And I, I think that's, absolutely I, valid. I actually, I, I, I hate that award so much, but I was, I was as part of my preseason stuff, I was putting together a ballot and he kind of stands out with a blinking light as the, uh, yeah. to me, the most, one of the most obvious guys to put atop that list. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he just, uh, again, I didn't, I didn't see his rookie season up close, but just watching him, you know, last year um, and just, I, I was really impressed by just kind of the tenacity he had. And there were in a few of the, their biggest games of the season, you know, uh, I remember a game um, against Portland last year or their game in Minnesota at the very end of the season, he had a stretch where he had like eight or nine straight points or, you know, he would just step up in, in really big moments and just not be afraid to either take the big shot or drive inside and draw a foul. And then he makes a crazy layup and he's, you know, flexing his muscles or, or whatever. He just, he has that kind of swag to him um, that, you know, some of the other guys on this team don't really have. Again, you know, someone like a Paul Millsap's very reserved um, Jokic. Uh, he likes to argue with the officials, but doesn't really, you know, pump like pump himself up too much. You know, Gary Harris is very calm and stoic, and so he kind of is that that guy on this team that sort of has an edge to him. And to to have that as as somebody who turned 21 during the season last year, I think was just really impressive and kind of just that intangible quality that either you know a player has it as a human being or he doesn't. So um, yeah, I think you know he's hit a couple spells during his his NBA career where he's gotten cold from deep, but he that hasn't seemed to phase him too much. And, and no, I think just with another season of development, this was his first off season as a pro where he was fully healthy. Like you alluded to, he had those, um, you know, sports hernias that he had to have taken care of and basically spent most of last summer rehabbing those. So he's right. actually gotten a chance to, to work on his game a lot. So I'll be curious to see what he's added, just if he's, you know, just better prepared or just feels more confident heading into the season, just because he's had the full, the full off season and the full summer to work. So no, I think he's, um, He's one of the best young players in the NBA for sure. And I think, like I said, has a chance to take a really huge step forward. And, you know, he might not lead this team in scoring because of the other pieces that they have. But if he can he can be a guy that can take another step in running the offense, can be obviously a dangerous outside shooter and kind of one of those guys that they rely on in the clutch to, to make big shots, then I think that would be a, a really successful season for Jamal Murray. Do you think he's closer to the guy he was shooting the ball last year or the guy he was as a rookie? Um, I would say probably as the guy that he was uh, last year. I mean, I, I think just, you know, the, the natural development, I think, is there. And like I said, I think with being able, he's probably uh, shot a thousand million trillion shots this year, knowing the way that he works, <laughs> just the fact that he's had the time to do it. So Very official no, number, I, thousand million I, I, Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please uh, quote that and aggregate it and all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, think, uh, I think he's going to be a, a dangerous shooter in, in the league and like, like I said, he hit a couple, you know, cold spells in his first two seasons. But um, like I said, that didn't seem to phase him too much. And and I, I anticipate he'll be getting a lot of open looks just because of of the passing ability, like you said, of someone like Jokic out of the out of the post. And and then just the way the ball moves in this offense, um, you know, he he's got a he's going to have a lot of opportunities to, to make some big shots. So I, I think uh, he's got a, a great chance to, to keep progressing. Yeah, no, no question about it uh, at all. And I think when you look at him, I mean, he's a guy that shot, um, you know, close to 90% from the line his first two mm -hmm. years in the league. I mean, I, I think, you know, like you said, he clearly was dealing with a lot of injury stuff those, that first year in the league with the with the sports hernia. So I, I think last year was much closer to where 
he's at. Look, I mean, if he jumps up to being a 40% three-point shooter and is averaging 20 points a game, well, all of a sudden their, you know, their ceiling will change quite a bit um, also. Yeah, yeah, I know. And you mentioned his free throw shooting. And again, one of his like best moments of the season was a, a game against Milwaukee um, like late in the year. And obviously the Nuggets went on that six game winning streak to, to put themselves in position to be in the playoffs. So a game they needed to win. Yep. And uh, Denver was like down double digits going into the fourth quarter. They make this comeback. And then Jamal Murray steals the inbounds pass, has the awareness to fire a three pointer, gets fouled. The shot almost goes in. And then he just, you know, uh, ice in his veins, you know, goes up and calmly makes the three free throws. And after the game, he was like, that's what I do. Like he's just, he wasn't like being cocky or a smart aleck about it. He was just like, yeah, I make, uh, I make free throws and that's, that's why I practice them. And that's why I'm good at them <laughs> in those types of moments. So no, he just has this, like I said, he's got this air about him that um, just supreme confidence. And, you know, with the, with the way that he played in some clutch moments last year, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's valid and, and it'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop this year. Yeah, no question at all. And I, just the last thing on them, Obviously, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs for any of those teams outside of the cop couple in the West because there is going to be so much competition. But um, how much of a setback would it be if this team doesn't manage to make the playoffs again this year, regardless of whether it's injuries or they just fall short again? Um, I mean, how? I mean, do do you do you think that that there's the potential for a lot of changes there if if that doesn't happen, or would they? be content to say, all right, look, we're still building this thing forward and and we've got some time if they do manage to fall short uh, of making the postseason again. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, I would say yes, that there would be some changes. I mean, obviously, Michael Malone's going into the last year of his contract and at this point has not been extended. Um, you right. Know, it, it, so that that's like that's that's a big deal, obviously. And but at the same time, it's like, again, this team won 46 games last year. They were 10 games over 500 and that still wasn't enough to get in. Right. So what if what if the ceiling is you need 50 wins to get in? And what if they win 49? Like, would would that be a cause to completely overhaul? everything and start over I don't know but again the, the the West is just so tough now with LeBron there and again so if the Lakers make the playoffs then somebody that was in the playoffs needs to get kicked out and then if the Nuggets were to make the playoffs somebody else would need to get kicked out so who right. is that like who right. is that in the West so um again I uh, if they don't make the playoffs I think that would be a massive disappointment just considering what this team has been building to and the the heartbreak that they felt of last year I mean that that locker room in Minnesota, you know, after their final game and losing an overtime the way they did, it was just, they were pretty despondent. Um, and it was like, sort of, they all said it was like, you know, basically running into a brick wall where you're charged into the playoffs and then suddenly your season is over. So if they haven't um, learned from some of their missteps last season and can't get it done, um, if they stay fully healthy, um, I think that would, uh, That'd be a huge disappointment, and and I, I could see some changes happening. But again, the West is so tough that maybe um you know maybe fifty wins isn't enough. I don't know. So it'll be that it will be interesting though because that is the expectation around Denver and around that franchise. So if they don't, I think um a lot of people will not be happy, barring some sort of catastrophic injury to a huge you know a, a big name player or something like that, which obviously right. was a was a big factor with Millsap last year. So if he can be fully healthy, then. I think this team is on a good track to get there, but um, you know, obviously the 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 breaks got to bounce your way a little bit, and they certainly didn't for this team last year. Right, and then one one final thing: uh, Are you with me that Michael Porter doesn't play until twenty nineteen twenty? 
I would be stunned if he played um, up this upcoming season, unless just his rehab goes so well that maybe he's available late in the year in some capacity. But um, yeah, I would, I'd be really shocked if he, um, if he was, you know, out there really early. I know he was talking about that at the rookie orientation situation, but I just, based on what I've, you know, heard from guys, you know, with the, with the front office that they were very, very upfront from the get-go that they were going to be super, super cautious with his recovery and that they would not put him out there until he was, you know, 100%, 100, 100, 100%, not 95%, not right, 98%, right. 100%. Like, there's right. no, there is no reason to play him. He is not, uh, you know, coming in to try to be the franchise savior. He's coming in to try to be another you know, potentially a really nice piece to a team that's building towards something. So, yeah, if he if he played this season, I it's because his uh, his recovery was way faster than anybody expected. But based on just what the Nuggets have said, you know, their front office, their training staff, all that type of stuff, um, they're they're not going to rush him back because there's absolutely no reason to. Yeah, I I am with you a thousand percent. I mean, you heard on draft night that mm-hmm. he was not playing in this upcoming season. So I, I think to your point, it would have to be a pretty radical recovery from where he's at to uh, for him to get on the court. So I'd, I'd say that's where that sits. So uh, Gene, this has been great. I appreciate it. Uh, before you go, let people know where they can find you on social media. And if you've got uh, anything coming up in your, uh, your new gig as we get close to camp starting. Sure. Yeah. Well, my Twitter handle is just my first name and last name. So G-I-N-A-M-I-Z-E-L-L. And sort of like I alluded to at the beginning of this, I'm still in the process of moving from Denver back to Phoenix. Um, but I will be a full go for sure by the start of training camp on uh, the 24th. And then we'll be rocking and rolling. But the Athletic Arizona is up and running. We've got coverage of all the pro teams in the Valley and also Arizona State as well. So check us out. And um yeah, excited to be on board with that team and back in my hometown and ready to get the season going. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's uh, I'm glad you're glad you're able to get home and uh, it should be it should be a fun year down there. So thanks thanks for doing this and I'll talk to you down the road. All right, thanks Tim, appreciate it. Thanks, Gina, for doing the podcast. Be sure to check her out as she gets to go back home to Phoenix and get started with the Suns, which will be a really interesting year there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, in the pages of the Washington Post on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you get it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever else. It really helps us out a lot when you do that, so thank you in advance for doing so. Please go check out our other podcasts like Constitutional, Can You Do That, Letters from War, Retropod, uh, Daily 202, uh, Cape Up. There's a whole bunch of them. We have more coming. It's really good stuff. We have a great audio team at the Washington Post. Be sure to go uh, check all that stuff out and, and and see what we've got in store for you. Please go support Glenn Yoder in the Western States. Do the theme music for the pod. Glenn's a NBA editor at the Post. Uh, big Mass fan. Good friend of mine. His band is great. Seen him in seen him in person. Uh, really fun show. So definitely go um, definitely go check them out. Thank you to all of you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.